why is a psychiatrist looking at your stool? And it's because your gut is your second brain. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Dr. Achina Stein. Today, we're gonna dive into her shift model for discovering the root causes of depression and anxiety, things like stress, hormone imbalances, infections, food sensitivities, and toxins. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Achina Stein, who is the author of What If It's Not Depression? Your Guide to Finding Answers and Solutions. She's a board-certified psychiatrist and has been in practice for 25-plus years. Propelled by her son's health crisis in 2010, she found functional medicine, which resolved all of his mental health problems as well as her own. She has a busy private practice called Functional Mind LLC in Riverside, Rhode Island, where she sees patients for functional medicine primarily, but also sees patients for psychotherapy. She is a certified practitioner of the Institute for Functional Medicine, a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association, and was awarded the Exemplary Psychiatrist Award by NAMI Rhode Island in 2008. She's a former clinical assistant professor of psychiatry and human behavior of the Warren Applert Medical School of Brown University. She has a companion program to her book called What If It's Not Depression?, a boot camp to provide an alternative to medication for people with chronic mild depression-like symptoms that do not respond to antidepressant medications and will be offering an SSRI tapering course soon. She enjoys playing ultimate frisbee, singing, and gardening. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stein. Oh, thank you for having me, Stephanie, Dr. Gray. (laughs) Well, tell me, we all have a story, and I mentioned a little bit of yours in your bio. Sounds like your son had a health crisis, and maybe you did as well. Do you want to share some of your story, what got you into functional medicine? Sure, sure. I mean, I was practicing as a traditional psychiatrist for uh, almost two decades, and what changed that trajectory was the fact that my son became very sick. He became acutely Mm. depressed and suicidal. And basically on a ledge uh, to jump five stories and kill himself. And that was extremely terrifying for Mm -hmm. me, especially because I'm a psychiatrist. It's kind of embarrassing and some on some level. It's like, what, how did I miss this? And and unfortunately, yeah, so (laughs) you can imagine what what I went through uh, myself in dealing with it. But, you know, found him a psychiatrist and we got him on four medications uh, to stabilize him. It took that much medication to get him stabilized. and. But he had was no longer depressed uh, or you know as depressed, I should say, and uh, certainly not suicidal, but he was stable and but he was not my son. He mm-hmm. was actually having even other symptoms that through this process uh, that he was worse in some ways and better in some ways. So I know that I have a lot of patients that have 
those kinds of journeys uh, through their health crises and going from an acute situation to a chronic situation, they're chronically stable, but they're still having lots of symptoms. And so he was not excluded from that. In fact, he was put on two of the four medications just to handle the side effects of the antidepressants. So, um, and those side effects were insomnia, anxiety, he had attention issues as well. So, but long story short, you know, I was not satisfied with that outcome. And the thing that made me think that there was something else going on with his brain was the fact that he could no longer read. And it was that symptom, I think, that caused me to search other op- for other options. Ultimately, we found that the reason he couldn't read anymore was because he had double vision. And so he had so much inflammation in his brain. Wow. In his brain. <laughs> in his brain. <laughs> He's really smart. He has two brains. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had so much inflammation in his brain that it affected the cranial nerves of his eyes, you know, wow. that he had double vision. But it actually took us a while to even figure that out about why he couldn't read. Um, So in retrospect, we realized. um, So anyway, I found functional medicine uh, serendipitously. I was searching for options for my patients because I was hitting roadblocks in certain, with certain types of patients that now to this, now I know what I could have done differently given my Mm -hmm. education in functional medicine, but I found a functional medicine doctor and he was able to address all of his issues and ultimately have him come off of medications uh, altogether. And he's hadn't taken them for many years. So it's, that happened when he was 14, you know, and so that doesn't mean to say that there haven't been ups and downs, you know, when you have to, once you find the root causes and reverse them, you have to maintain them. That's the yes, thing. Yes, I like that. So yes. Teenagers, teenagers have a hard time maintaining things, you know, as we, as we know. And so the beauty of it is that, you know, that you can get right back on the horse and start maintaining them again. And then the symptoms remit again. So Throughout college, he did the college thing, you know, staying up late at night, living with other vampires <laughs> in college, being up till four o'clock in the morning and the stress of studying, the stress of uh, studying and also the stress to your body of eating foods that you shouldn't necessarily be eating and mm-hmm. drinking alcohol, you know, that's part of the college scene as well. So all of those factors can impact you on some level if you're already fragile or sensitive, you know, right. I speak a lot to my fa- patients about being on the fence. Some of them kind of live on this fence where they, they, they really got to be careful with their behaviors and with their lifestyle, you know, choices. Cause that can kind of, when they make poor decisions that can sway them or push them off the wrong side of the fence. So I talk right. a lot about that with my patients. Your analogy of the fence is a really great analogy. I, I use a different analogy. I talk about it being at the doorway, you know, mm. so you can, you know, you can, you can stay at the doorway and look at the party and, or join the party and experience the whole experience, or you can leave the party and make other decisions <laughs> and not good. be in that limbo, right? It's being right. in that limbo that can be really stressful to people. I like the door better. That, that's yeah. more positive. It gives you back control. You get to choose, right? Yeah. Right. Because it is a choice. I mean, people, I had a patient who made the choice, even though she knew that dairy caused 
massive migraines. She made the choice to have a Viennese dessert display for her wedding. That was her dream. That was her dream. She wanted this Viennese you know, display of desserts for her guests and for herself. And she chose to have that knowing fully well she was going to have a three-day migraine on her honeymoon. And she did. But she fulfills her dream because it's a one-time event, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> right? It's choices. You're making choices and accepting the consequences in knowing what that the consequences are. So, Yeah. <laughs> gives you the responsibility. So through your experience with your son, did, and you, sounds like at the same time, you know, learning functional medicine, did you create this shift model? That's kind of the premise of how you treat your patients? Or am yes. I putting, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the shift model is uh, something that's not, it's it repackaged in different ways, you know, so it's, we all hit the same. It's interesting that when, whenever I interview people on my YouTube channel, what if it's not depression podcast, that uh, we all talk about the same things, really, yep. you know? So shift, um, the, the word shift stands for stress, hormones, infections, foods, and toxins. And we may not necessarily address those things in that order, but they are basically five pillars that yep. uh, we all address on some level. And some some functional medicine practitioners focus on one, one of those pillars more than the others, but I think it's important to actually address all five. So I look for root causes of depression and anxiety in each of those pillars and develop a plan to reverse engineer whatever happened in in those pillars. So some people will have, you know, issues in specific pillars more than others, you know? And so it's a matter of really looking at all five and addressing all five. And some people have trouble improving, you know, or rebalancing certain pillars, right? It's just a lot of work for them. And so it is setting up habits and really practicing certain habits in affecting certain pillars like stress. Stress is, a, I think, a real hard one for people. That would be my problem. Yeah. <laughs> so let's break down each of those pillars. So how would an individual or a listener know if they have problems? We'll, we'll start we'll, with each of those categories, each pillar. So with stress. How would someone know if that's their problem pillar? I think some people have an, who are stressed and they know it, it's easier for them because it's in their face, obviously. Yep. But there are other people who don't realize that stress can come in, in your body, you know, so inflammation can be stressful to your body. And if your immune system yep. is activated because it's handling a variety of things, then you may not necessarily know that right away. So it is investigating what might be causing inflammation in your body, which will be, you know, stressful to your immune system. But there's a different kind of stress. And I see a lot of this, that there, there are women in particular, but also just most people in general in our country and perhaps other, you know, uh, other countries uh, where that have the similar lifestyle where it's go, 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 go. It's high achieving, not resting. In fact, it's shameful to rest or take care of yourself. Mm. It is, it is that uh, energizer bunny kind of person who doesn't stop to take time for themselves because they think that's a 
wrong or bad that doesn't take time to rest. And so uh, it is a matter of changing your mindset around that, but also to just acknowledge that you're really running your body into the ground, you know, when you don't stop, when you don't take time for yourself. And it's noticing those patterns that are, that's really important. So it is, it's a culture that we have here, you know, in fact, uh, you know, I'm going to out my brother on this and my brother who works with people in France, you know, cause he, you know, he works internationally and he, he tells me that they don't work. <laughs> it's like, well, no, they work more healthy, normal hours. They just have a different lifestyle and you need to work. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he needs to follow the same pattern. It's like, you work too much. <laughs> They're not going to be up at midnight or, or two o'clock in the morning or 6 a.m., you know, on your schedule, you know? So it's just, it's, and they take the weekends off and they take the holidays off and they go out and they spend the day on a picnic, you know, that mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. It's a completely different lifestyle and it's a healthier lifestyle. When I studied abroad in Iceland, this was, I don't even, I can't even remember. It was late undergrad. We would have school all day and then I would want to go shopping and all the shops were closed like by 4 p.m. because everyone was off work. <laughs> and it was just exactly. interesting for me to see that lifestyle. Like, holy cow, like these people actually don't work the, you know, 10, 12 hour days that we do in the U.S. So I think parts of Europe have that right. And I, I have been guilty of being that Energizer Bunny and not taking time for myself. I, I share a bit of that story in my, my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. So let's go into hormones. So we talked a little bit about stress. Let's talk about the hormone pillar. I have a feeling we could stay here for a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the primary hormone to really focus on at least initially is cortisol, you know? So when you're under stress, whichever, whatever's causing that stress or driving that stress, the hormone, well, it's an adrenaline that gets basically surging and there's going to be different levels of adrenaline. There's there's certainly normal amounts of adrenaline that you want running throughout the day, but it should be, it should be highest in the morning hours and then slowly coming down and allowing you to sleep, you know? And so sometimes it's reversed where people can't get out of bed. They're dragging themselves out of bed, needing four cups of coffee. And then, which basically, you it's know, bad. energizes. Yeah, that's the last yeah, thing they bad. need. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, oh, the, you know, the second wind comes on at about seven, eight o'clock. And then it's like, bing. Oh my gosh, I have all this energy. I can do all this stuff now. And I better do it now because I know how I'm going to be in the morning. Right. So then you're up till two o'clock in the morning because you're doing all this stuff. But then when you want to go to sleep, you can't because of all of that adrenaline. And so what happens is that your body, you know, when adrenaline goes up, your body releases cortisol to bring the adrenaline down. But if the adrenaline stays up and it doesn't come down, the cortisol stays up and cortisol kind of acts like a steroid in your body. Cortisol, cortisone converts to cortisone. And so that is like prednisone in your body, but it's it's made internally. So that is the primary hormone that's important to focus on. But it's also important to know that that hormone steals away from your other hormones. It steals from progesterone and it steals from estrogen and it steals from testosterone. So you have these imbalance of your sex hormones just to make 
cortisol in order to keep that energizer bunny going. <laughs> so, I mean, that's hormones in, in general. There's other things that can affect your hormones. That's probably a, a whole nother topic is estrogen disruptors, you know, which can act as hormones in your body and hitting the receptors, particularly estrogen. So it can feel like it's a lot of estrogen that is not in balance, I should say, with progesterone causing all sorts of symptoms itself. When I first got into functional medicine, I was testing everyone's adrenals. I loved the saliva cortisol test. I mean, I ran it on everybody. And then after being in practice for years, you can kind of just learn who those people are. The testing is very valuable. I love testing, but I'm sure you can attest to, you just kind of know who those people are just based on their history. They're, you know, reporting back how they feel. And if they are that person who's medicating with lots of caffeine or whatnot, and then they need something to calm them down at night. Instead, we can use very safe supplements to help reset the circadian rhythm and calm the adrenaline. So Absolutely. And conventional medicine doesn't really treat that. They're, they're, you're the psychiatrist here, so you can speak in. But it, typically, if, those, if a patient in that situation pre presents to their conventional medical provider, they're just going to be given medication. And that you know, resetting that circadian rhythm, calming the adrenaline, probably isn't really going to be getting to the root cause of the problem isn't really going to be addressed. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, those medications can actually make them worse, the sedative hypnotics. And, you know, there are some psychiatric medications that are often used for sleep that don't necessarily fix the problem. And you're right that conventional doctors aren't familiar with the HPA axis dysfunction, uh, which is sometimes called adrenal fatigue, which is really a misnomer, but um, but it is an it's a dysfunction of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. And it's a matter of rebalancing that. That's it, that's very important. And we typically, as functional medicine doctors, like to use herbs and things like phosphatidylserine, ashwagandha is a, a great herb for that. There's others as well, but it's other things as well. Stress reduction, getting that sleep cycle back in order, you know, getting up at the same time every morning, you know, to set that biological clock. It, it is putting these habits in place and respecting and listening to your body. I like that. Listening yeah. to your body and, and even preventing, knowing when that second wind occurs and preventing that second wind by starting to actually wind down and easing into that second wind and trying to get to bed earlier and, and reversing that. And so it is giving up temporarily that time of energy, you know, to, to catch up on everything. Right. <laughs> and this can even be applied to toddlers. It's funny that you say that because because even our, our kiddo gets his second wind and my husband starts singing a song about winding down. It's time to wind down. <laughs> but, right. you know, adults, we need to, you know, we need to apply that principle as well. And I know it's hard to forego that second wind when you're a mom of four kids and you got, you know, laundry to do or dishes to do, whatnot. But you really do need to honor or as you said, respect and listen to your body. So that's great right. advice. Yes. I, you know, like that analogy with the toddler because... We teach our children these habits by having this winding down time and having bedtime stories and right, getting into your pajamas. And then we expect we can just like run a marathon and then hop into bed and just flip the switch, <laughs> go to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. You know, so unfortunately, all these habits that we teach our children, they, they break down after a while, you know, because we're not modeling those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right. So it goes against, it really goes against our culture and it really has, it, it's almost making a conscious decision to go against 
what our what we're doing as a society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one family at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to infections. So tell us how that that's a part of your shift model. Yeah. So in, you know, people don't realize just how much they have when I talk about infections, like I don't have an infection, I don't have fever, I don't have these these symptoms that make me think that I have an infection. And usually when people think about an infection, those are really actually acute, acute symptoms of an infection as opposed to chronic infections. And what a chronic infection, the analogy I like to use, it's, it's almost like an acute infection is all out war. The reason the body mounts a temperature and has chills and fevers, like it is your immune system in in full battle gear attacking the the infection. But then even, you know, we know there are countries like, and I say this in my book, what if it's not depression, is that it's almost like Pakistan and India are at this, you know, stalemate, you know, where where they are at war with each other, so to speak, but in a cold way where they tolerate each other. They have armies facing each other. There's barbed wire, you know, and as soon as one moves, the other one like, you know, is ready to shoot, you know, but there's no active war going on, right? And it probably won't take much for something to happen because they're, they're enemies with each other. Essentially, I mean, there was a time when the U.S. was at a cold war with Russia, right? And maybe we are again. I don't know, <laughs> but but anyway, you know, if there there is no active battle happening, and so there are infections in our body that our immune system tolerates, it acknowledges, it surveils. You know, there's a su- surveillance system to to make sure it's staying where it is, and there's multiple types of infections that can affect us unbeknownst to us unless we actually do the testing to detect it. So H. pylori is one. There's candida, which is you know, a type of yeast that is part of our normal flora, but given the right conditions, it can become pathologic and create lots of symptoms. There's a dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of good bacteria with bad bacteria, which can occur from taking lots of antibiotics in combination with steroids or birth controls, you know, or the kinds of foods that, you know, that can produce dysbiotic types of bacteria, you know, the bad bacteria as well as candida. It's a matter of looking at the conditions that created the situation and then removing some of these things if it's the right thing for that person, because sometimes you want to keep certain things in place. But there's other things that we don't talk about uh, on the conventional, in the conventional world enough are parasites mm. and, and worms. You know, I can't tell you how many kids have had pinworm, right? <laughs> you know, and so there's, there's those things that have to be looked at as well that can cause a chronic infection, cause nutrient deficiencies, cause uh, inflammation in the, in the gut, and um, that type of inflammation in the gut can cause neurotransmitter imbalances, which then can result in depression and anxiety. So people will ask, like, why, are, why is a psychiatrist looking at your stool? And it's because your gut is your second brain. And if your gut's not working right, your brain is not going to work right either. Totally agreed. Well said. So let's go on to the next pillar, which is foods which foods and infections, well, I should say food sensitivities and gut infections 
both play a role in gut health, which I talk a lot about in chapter one of my book, which we know then relates to mental health. So I almost feel like the gut infections and the food sensitivities just go together. But let's spend some time on that food food category. Absolutely. So foods can be absolutely inflammatory or poison to some people, and foods can be healing to others. And so, so it's a matter of figuring out which foods are going to be harmful to you in terms of causing inflammation and activating that immune system. And you know the top two would be gluten and dairy in my book, especially for the brain. Yep, I agree. Yep. And we can go into all sorts of reasons for that because people say, well, you know, well, I've been eating bread all my life. Why has it suddenly changed? And it's not, you know, that bread is bad. It has to do with all sorts of reasons in terms of the amount of grains that we eat. We eat way too many grains as compared to fruits and vegetables, lean meats and healthy fats. You know, so it's a matter of proportions, way too many grains in our foods, especially processed foods and chemicals. <laughs> so we'll get to, you know, toxins later, but, uh, but what has happened to our our wheat in terms of processing, in terms of hybridizing it and the way it's manufactured. So there's lots of different aspects where our wheat has changed dramatically over the last 50 years, actually. And, and dairy is a factor because cows in this country, and our cows actually are very different from the cows in England. And the cows here are much more inflammatory compared to the cows in England. It's a type of cow that are also fed grains when they should be fed grass. So that grain and that inflammatory grains that we talked about and the chemicals and that they're sprayed with get into the cow's body. And then when we eat those cows, that's a problem for us as well. So it gets translated indirectly to us in terms of the meat, but also of the milk. So it's really important to know where you're sourcing the grains and where you're sourcing the dairy. Um, but there are other food sensitivities that people have, which I won't go, to, go into, but those two, gluten and dairy. And the third thing that we need to look at is sugar, you know, and how, how much sugar we have in our diets that uh, satisfy our palate, but it doesn't satisfy our cells at all. <laughs> the cells are starving of nutrients. And I think most people can attest to if they eat a lot of sugar, kind of like a lot of caffeine, they may be more anxious and then maybe depressed later because they're crashing off that sugar. So absolutely, I, I think many people recognize that with sugar, but they may not recognize that after eating that pizza, right, the next few days, they're sluggish and depressed or, or whatnot. They may not relate their mental health symptoms to that inflammatory food because it's not always immediate. I mean, for me, it's immediate. If I have gluten, I don't know what's, I mean, it hits me, my neurologic system right away. I'm dizzy and I, I feel very off. But for many people, it can take days for those symptoms right. to manifest. It does. For me, it takes actually days to a couple of weeks to have brain fog actually have get brain fog, start missing words and, you know, and like, what was that word um, that I was trying to think of, you know, failing to recall certain things. Uh, it, it definitely affects me if I have gluten and I tend to have it once in a while, especially around the holidays, because you go to other people's homes and, you know, they make the cream spinach and, you know, there's turkey stuffed with, uh, with stuffing. Right. And so, 
Yeah. So it becomes a choice. And so, uh, you know, I suffer for a few days and, but there are uh, lots of my patients, you know, suffer quite a bit. And if they, you know, have just a little bit, so it is a matter yeah. of, of recognizing how it affects you and taking it very seriously, because if it affects your brain, which is probably, in my opinion, the most sensitive organ in your body, mm-hmm. just imagine what it's doing to your body, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, good point. Right? Good point. With that, let's move on to toxins. So you kind of already alluded to some of those in the pesticides and herbicides and whatnot, right, that we find on food. But what other toxins are part of your, I would say, shouldn't say are part of, but removal of which is part of your shift model, I'm sure? Well, you know, we want to make sure that people need to understand that our body is always eliminating toxins. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, moving our bowels. We want to make sure that our liver is functioning optimally. Liver and the gallbladder are functioning optimally to be able to remove whatever it's supposed to remove. And so we call those toxins, but those are everyday toxins. That's the normal amount of toxins based on what it's like putting the garbage out. Like whenever we remove the garbage from the home, we put it in the trash can, trash More barrels go to the, yeah. right? Trash barrels go to the sidewalk, sanitation department comes and picks it up. So there's other kinds of toxins as well that has increased over time in our environment, like pesticides and chemicals and chemicals in our carpeting chemicals in our paint you know they're volatile organic compounds you know that's what vocs are and so we're constantly surrounded by those toxins and a lot of those toxins are in our indoor environment so it's very important to get outside to open the windows to air air out all of these you don't if you have a new piece of furniture a lot of people don't realize how much is in a mattress, in a couch, right? In our rugs, all of the chemicals that we use to clean our homes or spray in the air, Febreze and scented candles that are synthetic and, you know, not real scents that like essential oils are real scents, real, right. right? Yeah. Instead of they're, they're man-made and made to smell like lavender, but it's not actually lavender. Between the fumes from car exhaust, industrial emissions, and, as many of us have experienced recently, smoke from forest fires, the air we breathe is often filled with harmful pollutants. But did you know that the EPA has shown that indoor air can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air? This is why at my clinic and at my home, I use Air Doctor air filters. These filters are 100 times more effective than ordinary purifiers and help capture smoke, viruses, bacteria, pollen, mold, and dust mites. In fact, they capture 100% of some of the most dangerous ultrafine particles as small as 0.003 microns in size, and that's pretty small. They have a proprietary dual-action carbon gas trap VOC filter, which combines two types of media, activated carbon to remove gas and odors and potassium permanganate to deactivate certain volatile organic compounds, VOCs, like formaldehyde. Air Doctor's auto mode uses a professional-grade air quality sensor to assess the air in the room and immediately adjust to correct levels of air filtration. The sensor will also alert you when your air quality is compromised by changing its indicator lights from green to yellow or red. I discovered this feature almost immediately after installing my Air Doctor at home when the indicator light went from green to red. It got me wondering why the air was so bad and I did some digging. It turned out there was a problem with my furnace. After it was fixed, the Air Doctor sensor immediately turned back to green. Had I not discovered the issue with the help of their doctor, we could have ended up with much greater problems. 
I often recommend the Air Doctor to my patients dealing with mold toxicity. Of course, I always recommend they remove themselves from the mold exposure as soon as possible, but I understand it takes time to remediate the home. So in the meantime, as well as on an ongoing basis, I recommend they get Air Doctors running in their homes. One of these machines would be a great Christmas gift for a loved one. Stop by the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic if you'd like to see different sizes or visit the bonus tab of my website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, to find a special link for $280 off the 83000 using code GRAY15. That's capital G-R-A-Y 15. And watch for even greater promotions during Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But you must use my link, which we'll post in the show notes. So we put all of these things in our air, on our body, in our furniture, and we're constantly inhaling and we're giving extra things that our body needs to filter out of our body. And it's it works pretty well up to a point, but it's almost like if you didn't clean your oil filter in your car, or if you didn't clean the dryer filter in, you know, from your dryer, what would happen, right? If you didn't pull that thing out of your dryer and take that lint off the dryer and put it back in, eventually it would break your dryer, <laughs> right? Or if you drove your car, you know, through a dust storm, you know, out West, and which it's not used, you know, that's not a typical thing to do. Your air filter is going to need to be removed, you know, so, and believe it or not, people live in homes that don't actually clean these filters. And then they're wondering why they're feeling sick. So it's really important to do that maintenance in your home, but also in your body, right? To give your body the tools to be able to clear those filters of your liver and your kidney. And that is through taking certain vitamins and nutrients. And if you're not giving your body those nutrients, those filters are not going to be cleaned. Totally agree. Well, let's, I know we spent quite a bit of time on that shift model. Is this all heavily discussed in your book? I mean, do you break all that down? Is that kind of the blunt of the content? Okay. (laughs) So for more information, you can read her book. And and like you said, I echo a lot of that in my book. We're just speaking the same language. It's all the same, right? These are the same recommendations we're going to have for patients, whether they come in with infertility or migraines or depression or whatnot, right? We're going to apply these functional medicine principles. So the next question I was going to ask, which maybe we've already answered, but what do you feel the most important information is that functional medicine testing gives your patients? You know, a lot can be done through really getting a good clinical history. And so I use testing to confirm my suspicions. Um, so we talked a little bit about how using the uh, the adrenal testing, and then after a while, you're right, you get to know what the testing is going to look like. It's those in-between cases where I'm not sure if it's this side or that side in terms of, is the adrenals getting worse or is it on its way down, you know, where the adrenal testing would be helpful. So I use testing to confirm my suspicions one way or the other if I'm, if it's not clear just from the clinical history. Yeah, and it's really helpful in terms of, for me, I get a stool test on every patient because there's really no way to know what all of the chronic infections are, what all the players are, and really what the intestinal health is. So getting elastase level, knowing what the steatocrit level is, is really helpful in terms of whether or not the body's producing enough pancreatic enzymes or enough bile salts to be able to absorb carbs 
And that's some things that I threw out there that people may, may not understand, but the intestinal health in a snapshot is really great on the stool test that I do and uh, getting a sense of what the microbiome is and what all the players are in terms of this battle within your yeah. gut or stomach of, of sorts, what, what is occupying your immune system and how much inflammation is it causing? I like that. What's occupying your immune system. I like that. Do you use, I have to ask, do you use genetic testing in your patients? Like, do you ever use like Genomind or Genesept, any of those companies? No, I don't find them helpful at all. Um, I know of a few psychiatrists conventionally that like to use them to determine which medication is helpful. Because I, yeah, I do use those in my patients because I've had patients who you put them on SSRIs and they don't, you know, they don't feel better at all or... I've had patients who will just say the testing reveals based on their genes, if they're missing an enzyme, right? Nice. None of the usually recommended medications are going to help that patient. So the testing can then tell me, okay, you could try this SRI or this benzo or whatnot based on their genetics. So I do use it not often, but I do use it in some of my patients. So I was just curious if, if you do. Yeah. I used them a while ago, years ago. And when, when Genomine first came out and I did not find it to be helpful. If anything, when I had tried whatever they recommended on the test that they still had, you know, poor results anyway. So I gave up using that test. Now things may have changed over the last five or six years and they have gotten better. I don't know. I don't prescribe medications very much anymore, to be honest. So because the people who seek me for treatment are the ones who have had numerous trials of medications right. and they're done with that. They want to do it. They're just yeah. done with it. Exactly. And they really don't want to even go there anymore or they are having withdrawal symptoms from the medications and they want to come off of them safely. And so it's, it's a, just a different group of people that I see. That doesn't mean to say I don't prescribe it. I do when, when it's absolutely necessary. Um, but that tends to be in people who are already medication naive and, and, and they, come to me because they don't want to try any medications. And then I'll say, well, you know, right now you really do need, need a medication. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a really is a marriage of both worlds. It's giving the best of both worlds to help the person in the situation that they're in right now, because unfortunately functional medicine is not a quick fix. It requires you to have the energy and the organization and the motivation to make changes in lifestyle and diet. And if you're so sick that you're not able to do those things, you kind of need medication to get well enough to a point to be able to do these things, right? Sure. And not in so much distress that that is occupying your mind that you can't focus on being able to do this work because it is ultimately it is work and it's, it's certainly really, you know, good work to do in the long run because it does extend your life. It doesn't mean just get, you know, your brain back. You're not depressed and anxious anymore, but you actually in, extend your life in, in the long run, you know, my life is so much better having resolved all of my medical issues that I feel younger now than I did when I was 30, you know, so it is absolutely life-changing. So how does a healthy brain help create a healthy body in your opinion? When you have a healthy brain, you are certainly more organized in being able to do things and you're probably clearer in your goals. You're most likely having the energy 
the motivation and the organization to be able to do the work to create a healthy body. But it's all connected, right? Yeah. It's all connected. So it's a circular kind of thing where if you fix your gut, you fix your brain, you fix your brain, you fix your gut, right? And everything else that's connected to those two systems. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, is there anything else you want to share about your program? I know you have, why well, I already forgot, a boot camp. Couldn't remember the name of it, a boot camp yes, <laughs> for patients as well. Yes. So tell us if there's anything else you want to share with the listeners and then how can can listeners connect with you? Tell us about your boot camp. You have a free gift as well. So lay that on us. Sure, sure. So I have a companion program to my book, What If It's Not Depression? Boot Camp. It's a 12-week group online boot camp to find and reverse all of the root causes for depression, as well as anxiety. You know, my book could have easily been called What If It's Not Anxiety? You sure. know, because it's really the same approach. It tends to be for people who have been going from doctor to doctor. They're feeling sick and tired. They're not sure what's wrong with themselves. They go to the doctor or other medical professional and obtain blood work. And they're told all your blood work is normal. You must be just depressed. Here's an antidepressant. And they know in their hearts, they're not depressed. But now they're wondering, am I depressed? I don't know. Maybe I am depressed, but they don't really think that they're depressed. They think that there's something else going on in their body that's creating this. And so I help those people who honestly shouldn't have been given an antidepressant if it's a mild to moderate depression, if they're not in danger of harming themselves and they're not psychotic, if they are functioning relatively well, have you know jobs and families and they're doing all the things, but they're just dragging themselves to do all these things and they might not have as much motivation, they might not be thinking as clearly, they might have brain fog, sort of like you, how you and I were, right? <laughs> right. You mm -hmm. know, when I was in my thirties, that's how I was still working full time, you know, and I uh, had three children uh, and doing all the things, but I knew uh, something wasn't right. But anyway, I provide a course and it's with live Q and A 90 minutes every week with me to address each of the root causes. And it basically by the end of the 12 weeks, you have resolved many of the root causes and also have a plan for the rest because some things take longer than others. Sure. And some of it is setting up habits. And the reason I put this course together is because ultimately it really comes down to habits. It's not all about testing. It's not all about the medical professional providing something to the patient. It's really about the person who has certain issues that are due to dietary and lifestyle issues 
that it's a lifestyle maintenance change, a lifestyle change and with followed by maintenance that sure. ultimately is the most important thing that you can do. Because I've had patients who've seen me in my private practice and they've done all the things because I told them to do it and, and they feel great. And then they say, thank you. Bye-bye. And then I see them a year later <laughs> or two years later, right? Because what's ha- what happens is that they start cutting corners and then they go on vacation and they start eating this food and then they don't work out or you know, because they had a busy day or the routine falls apart and then all the symptoms return. And so then they start have to start all over again. So it's really important to maintain habits more than anything else in order to continue the success that you've achieved. That's really important. Love it. Love it. Well, tell listeners where they can find you. So where are you on social media and where is your vodcast? Did I say that right? Okay. So (laughs) I failed to mention all that, didn't I? So I'm at achinasteindio.com. And I think you're going to give links to your audience for the three chapters of my book for free. And there's also a download for uh, food for your mood, a yep. great place to start in terms of eating foods that will improve your mood. And you can find me on YouTube at uh, what if it's not depression podcast. And I'm uh, on Instagram, Achina, Dr. Achina Stein. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And you interviewed me on your podcast. So I'll post the link to that also in the, in the show notes. I so, did. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> That oh, was last, great. <laughs> lastly, tell our listeners what your absolute top longevity tip would be. So I think in one word, it would be, um, or two, let's say it's two words, developing resilience. Ultimately, when a person learns how to respond to a situation as opposed to reacting to a situation, they develop resilience. It takes time to be aware of your reactions And there's methods of doing that, like doing body work, like yoga or, you know, breath work, meditation, all of these things create this gap of having a thought, feeling, memory, emotion, or physical sensation and creating a space to then respond as opposed to immediately reacting. And sometimes those reactions are even even happen without our awareness. So if we increase that space, then we can choose how we want to respond to it. You know, and the way we increase that space is looking at patterns, looking at what it is that's happening. Why is it happening? Being curious about it, creating that space and breathing through it and understanding yourself and connecting to yourself, your mind, your spirit, your body, and developing a response. And by doing that, you will then develop resilience. Hey, everybody. If you've enjoyed the content I've been sharing on this podcast, I think you will love my new free ebook, How to Create Resilient Health. One of my signature talks covers why stress impacts our health so negatively and what exactly we can do about it. After every time I give that talk, I always get requests from people in the audience for the actual presentation so that they can go back through it again and reference it on an ongoing basis. This was happening so much that I finally realized I needed to create a new resource on the topic, which is this beautiful ebook I've just released. In this book, I break down the stress response, symptoms of stress, how stress impacts your health and your hormones, and most importantly, share what you can do to make yourself more resilient to it. I share healthy strategies relating to lifestyle, nutrition, and supplements to help you create and maintain the habits needed to better thrive under stress. 
If you're one of millions of Americans that have struggled with chronic stress, you are not alone. Let this ebook be your guide. Hop on over to yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash creating hyphen resilience for your free download. Love it. Well said. Well said. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your shift model to support our overall mental health and longevity. So thanks again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Seriously, so many of my guests, including Dr. Stein, have similar recommendations for getting to the root cause of symptoms. If you're a current patient who hasn't had a comprehensive stool assessment and would like one, call the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic and we can likely run one of these on you. The test can show how you digest your food if you have too many good or bad bugs and even assess your gut inflammation. And don't forget, I'll post links in the show notes for three free chapters of Dr. Stein's book, What If It's Not Depression, and her guide on what foods to eat for your mood. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.